You are listening to the Permaculture Podcast with Scott Mann, a listener-supported program. The guest for this episode is Adam Brock, who joins me to talk about his role as a guest editor for an upcoming issue of Permaculture Design Magazine. This is a follow-up to the conversation with John Wages about the art and craft of producing a print permaculture publication. During the discussion today, Adam and I get straight to the point and talk about the contents of the issue he is editing, the process of collecting articles from authors, the importance of magazines as current sources of information, and how this assignment as an editor is accessible for anyone with an interest in writing, permaculture, or both. Go ahead and give a listen to Adam, and I'll join you with more information and some updates afterwards. Then, Adam, since you've been a guest on the show before, I won't ask you for your biography again, but rather, could you share with us how you went about becoming a guest editor for Permaculture Design Magazine, formerly Permaculture Activist? Yeah, yeah, you bet, Scott. So it was really, uh, I was honored to have been asked by John Wages, the new editor of Permaculture Design Magazine, as a part of you know my work in putting together the North American Permaculture Convergence. I was one of the kind of core team members on that crew last year. And after that event, uh, John approached me and asked if I'd be interested in, in guest editing an article. That was where we um, actually met in person. We had corresponded before that. And I said, yeah, I'd be delighted and, and honored to. And then from there, have you done any kind of editing work like this in the past? Not per se. I mean, I've definitely, you know, worked with other authors. I've written a lot of, of my own articles for the the activist and, and other publications. Um, but this is actually really the first time I'll be curating a group of articles from other authors in the field. And so far, it's really been a fun experience. For those who haven't done this before, and I know that I haven't, what is that experience like? Are you reaching out to various authors for them to provide articles? Or was it through an announcement of the upcoming topic for an issue that people started submitting things? What does that look like? Yeah, it's actually kind of a combination of both. You know, I certainly had a kind of short list of authors I had in mind that I felt would be appropriate for the issue. And so I reached out to them a while back, you know, one of the nice things about the publication schedule of Permaculture Design Magazine is that they set the themes pretty far in advance. Um, so I had a lot of lead time to reach out to people who I thought would be uh, good candidates. And fortunately, most of them enthusiastically responded with a yes. And then over the last several months, I've also gotten inquiries from other authors or people in the field who are interested in contributing to the issue. And which issue is it that you're currently editing? It's an issue uh, under the theme of decolonizing permaculture. And that was something that uh, John, you know, let me choose what, what theme I wanted, uh, which I thought was, was really gracious of him. And I chose that theme just because I felt like it's something that a lot of people are talking about within the permaculture movement. It was certainly a big theme at the NAPC. And I feel like it hasn't really been adequately covered in any issues of Permaculture Activist or Permaculture Design Magazine. And it looks like that will be issue number 98, which will be the winter issue this year? That's correct. It'll come out sometime, I believe, in October. And you say that you've been working on this for months. What kind of a lead time did you have coming up to be the editor and start collecting all this material and decide what was going to be included, what wasn't, and how to organize for the issue? Yeah, well, John and I settled on the theme as far back as, I think, last October, from there, I think starting around New Year's, I was emailing the folks that I had on my list just to just to put some feelers out and see uh, if they were interested in contributing. And once I kind of got the list of people who were, then I followed up with them, you know, 
probably every two, three months just to make sure they were still on board, how things were coming, you know, if you know, some, there were certain people that wanted to collaborate or wanted to shift topics, things like that. So just, you know, kind of checking in. As we speak, it's, you know, kind of early July right now, and I'm in the process of getting people's first drafts of articles. And then about two months out before publication, I'll be uh, assembling all the final articles along with their biographies and graphics and putting them in order. And, you know, as a guest editor, that's another uh, responsibility and opportunity is that I get to kind of write the opening editorial for the magazine, just kind of summing things up and putting in my two cents on, on the theme. What have been some of the joys and heartaches of the role of guest editor? Well, one of the joys, first off, is just seeing how excited people are that there's going to be an issue around this theme. You know, obviously the people who I'm reaching out to are people who feel equally passionate about the subject and feel similarly that it's not getting enough attention within the permaculture world. So just seeing, you know, how excited people are and, and how much of their time they're willing to commit to to putting down their thoughts on the issue and, and their really amazing experiences in print has been exciting. And the, the diversity of ideas and opinions that are coming in through the submissions, that's great. You know, I think as with any collaborative project, especially one involving many people spread across the continent, there's always, you know, an element of uh, herding cats, you know, reminding people of deadlines and um, following up when they don't respond and, and those kinds of things. But, you know, I, I think that's that's ex to be expected. That's just uh, part of the job. I think of the number of times where just something goes into a calendar incorrectly because of a time zone difference and then making a phone call either an hour earlier, a couple hours late and trying to coordinate, you know, just interviews for the show. I can imagine what that's like when you're collecting so much material from so many different people just for one issue of the magazine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it almost reminds me of putting on an event. Um, you know, I don't know how many times you've done that, Scott, but I imagine a lot of people in the permaculture world have. Um, and, you know, there's just like a lot of different logistical details that you have to stay on top of and coordinating with a lot of different people. And, you know, as long as you have those event planning skills, I think this is a, a pretty similar set of things that are required. Those kinds of skills are useful across a variety of arenas and just uh, adapting them to the place where you find yourself. They sure are. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of sense, of course, it's the same old systems thinking stuff, right? Keeping your eye on the big picture and then... Uh, getting down to details, responding to feedback, all, all of that stuff. In going through this process, how much have you been working individually and independently from John to put this together? Relatively independently. I mean, he's checked in with me every few months just to make sure my process has been going well. And he's given me, you know, a, a good bit of direction in terms of, uh, from the publication's perspective, what deadlines they need when they need certain things by. And, and he's been very clear with me about what my role is as guest editor, and that's been very helpful. But for the most part, it's you know been a pretty hands-off relationship. I'm sure he'd be very quick to respond if, if I had a question or needed him, but thus far I haven't. I know in event coordination and planning, I rely very heavily on the volunteers and other staff who are involved. Have you been reaching out to some of your friends in the community to assist you in this process? Or have you found that working largely on your own has been fairly successful because of the processes that you have in place? More of the latter. I mean, I feel like for a project like this, especially because I had so much lead time, it's, it's just that kind of slow and steady approach that there hasn't been any one time where I've had to put in more than, say, an hour or two a week on it. Um, you know, as as the deadline looms, that that might change. But even so, really, guest editing an issue, I wouldn't see it as 
you know, something, a project of the order of magnitude that, that really needs a whole lot of volunteer support. This really is a place where if someone wanted to reach out to John to get involved because of that long lead time and the knowledge that he has of the publication industry and what's needed to put the magazine into place from his long years of experience, that that's something that can be mentored and modeled throughout the process and time required to put the issue together? Yeah, yeah, I would say that's totally accurate. I mean, he very much has the process down of what's expected of a guest editor and how long certain things take. And so, you know, it's like anything in our permaculture world. If you see a niche where you feel like there's not enough attention or you have a lot of knowledge and you and your friends feel like you have a lot of stories to share, then I'd say it's a great opportunity to to get your stories out there um, to, to the wider permaculture universe. It's, you know, it's a responsibility, but it's nothing more intense than a lot of things we take on every day as permaculturalists. I think back to my teacher training experience in that, you know, every hour of presentation is anywhere from like two to 20 hours of prep time to get there. And it sounds like that's very similar to the magazine, but you're able to spread that over a long period of time. Yeah, that's right. And so it it definitely makes it a lot less intimidating to put together. And, you know, I, I actually deliberately chose an issue that was a few issues out just based on my own schedule. So, you know, depending on what their queue looks like, I think I could have, or uh, any guest editor might conceivably have the opportunity to do something on a slightly shorter time frame. But even so, I think six months is, is the minimum that you would get to put it together. And at that time frame, I think that's, that's plenty to do what needs to be done. And looking through some of my back issues of the magazine, they usually run, you know, around a dozen articles or so. In putting together the articles and authors that you needed, how many people did you have to approach in order to get the material necessary to complete the issue? Yeah, I mean, in in my case, I'd say I've gotten a response rate of about two-thirds positive or two-thirds, you know, people agreeing to write articles. And, you know, well, it still remains to be seen how many of those folks actually end up submitting something by the by the due date. But you know, for if there's a dozen or so articles, I probably reached out to 15, 20 people. And, you know, like I said, a couple of those articles came from other folks or or other articles that were already uh, in print that we want to republish in this magazine. So, you know, there's a few a few situations like that. But yeah, in general, you know, reach out to maybe 50% more people than, than you actually need. Now, in doing so, will you have to cull some articles that you've received in order to fit the format and tone that you're trying to set? I'm going to do my best not to do that, um, and, and I think that's part of the goal of kind of checking in on a regular basis with the authors, is to make sure that, that we're on the same page about what the topic is and, and how they're going to be writing it. You know, I think part of what I really appreciate about Permaculture Design Magazine is that it's really reports from the field. We're not expecting necessarily super illustrative writing from professional authors as much as the nitty-gritty of what people have been doing and... So as long as people are writing that, then I think we're happy to publish it. You know, at the most, we might make a few copy edits, change a phrase here or there. But in general, you know, I I don't anticipate taking out any articles once they're submitted. You're really in a place to allow the authors and the pieces that they've submitted to come through. And your role as an editor is more to bring all that material together and align it with a particular issue, give it a layout so that the pieces flow well together, whether someone wants to read cover to cover or, you know, pick up just an article at a time. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, I think one of the the interesting nuances of this particular issue that I'm editing 
is, is frankly somewhat controversial. You know, I think a lot of the things people are going to be writing about in this issue are things that long-time or new permies might feel a little bit defensive about or there might be some pushback on. And so as an editor, I think that's just another wrinkle in my role is trying to really honor the voices of these authors while at the same time making sure that their thoughts are presented in, in a way that everybody can really understand and take into consideration. It was one of the pieces when I spoke with John that I really appreciate about the magazine format and especially Permaculture Design Magazine through its many years and iterations as it's adapted to what's occurring within the permaculture community is that diversity of voices that occurs in each issue that are current relative to having dealt with the publishing industry off and on at various points in my life, knowing how much of a lead time there is between when an author pitches a book to when it's finally written and released can be several years. And right now it seems very much that the permaculture community is moving rapidly into different perspectives and different niches that the magazine can address and fulfill in ways that other media and material cannot. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that, Scott. And, you know, I think in that way, the magazine has done a good job of, of applying our principle of creatively using and responding to change. I would also say, though, on the flip side, it's really amazing to me to, to flip through magazines, permaculture activist magazines from the 90s or from the 2000s, and really just see the wealth of knowledge that is still relevant to my situation today. I mean, it's one of those things where, especially because at this point, it's not digitally archived, it's only in print, you'll come across one of those back issues and you almost feel like it's this buried treasure of really, really amazing information. And so as much as it is about staying current with what's going on in the movement, I, I do also feel that this magazine is, is something for the ages as well and something that future generations of permaculturists will continue to be nourished by. And your work right now and all of the editors who have touched this material in the recent past and from the very beginning have been able to construct a narrative and a story that really helps to share more about what is happening within the permaculture community and the movement as well as the system of design than we might have gotten just from a review of the books that have been published over the years. And I know from my own experience, it was the magazine that helped to carry me through at certain times when it seemed like there was a lack of books available in the North American market. I feel like it was the books that were published in the late 70s from Holmgren and Mollison, then the designer's manual. And then it felt at least as if through the 90s and early 2000s, like there just wasn't that much available, but there was so much still coming through from the magazine. There certainly wasn't, weren't as many books as there are now, that's for sure. And, you know, another nice thing about the magazine is that, again, it's, it's not these really polished, multi-hundred page things. It's more from practitioners like you and me that, that aren't professional authors. They might not have been doing permaculture for 10 or 20 years, like a lot of authors are. And so it brings it back down to earth and, and makes it feel a little bit more tangible to read these reports from people all across the country and, and all across the world. Regardless of our time working with this material or our experiences, we are within those covers, all colleagues. And it is a collective voice then that goes out to the community whenever we each pick up an issue. Absolutely. It sounds like there's a lot of room for people to become involved with the magazine, whether as an author or if they have the interest, a guest editor. 
What are some suggestions that you might have for anybody listening to this if they would like to get involved with Permaculture Design Magazine? Yeah, well, first off, I'd say, you know, almost anybody who is passionate about permaculture and is actively involved with it in their day-to-day life probably has an article in them somewhere. And so I would definitely encourage anybody that is interested in sharing their story or their case studies of what they've done in permaculture to consider writing an article um, or consider a few ideas and reach out to John, the editor, with those ideas. And then, you know, if it's something where you feel like you have enough contacts in your area, whether they're local or spread out, that all are working on something that are thematically related to really consider a guest editing an issue and, you know, coming up with a, a really unique and, and vibrant theme um, that will add something to the permaculture discourse at large. And again, you know, let John know because to his credit, I think he's, he's very interested in continuing to make this endeavor really a movement-wide collaboration. And for anyone who's interested, John's email is editor at permaculturedesignmagazine.com, which of course I'll include information about in the show notes. Well, Adam, I said that this would be a quick interview with you today, and we've covered everything that I wanted to, to get more information out about this role as a guest editor. And you've also included plenty of information if someone would like to write an article. You've demystified some of that, uh, very much so, that it is open for anyone who's interested. Is there anything else, before we draw this to a close, that you'd like to add to the conversation? No, not really. Not that I can think of. Just appreciate your uh, your time in reaching out and uh, definitely look forward to hearing folks' feedback on the issue once it comes out in uh, the fall. Well, thank you, Adam, so much for joining me and sharing what you have today about this work with Permaculture Design Magazine. My pleasure, Scott. Thanks a lot. And that was Adam Brock. You can find out more about his work at thegrowhouse.org and in the upcoming issue of Permaculture Design Magazine. If you would like to contact John Wages and propose a subject for an issue you would like to edit, email editor at permaculturedesignmagazine.com. After Adam and I wrapped up the episode, he wanted me to share an article with you that is currently available, and he is republishing in the issue on decolonizing permaculture. That piece is titled, Towards a Racially Inclusive Permaculture Community, and you can find a link to that in the show notes at thepermaculturepodcast.com. One of the things that initially attracted me to permaculture and has been an ongoing source of inspiration for the production of this podcast was the broad range of voices from so many different people around the world who, as we've heard time and time again when I ask for it in the opening, come from backgrounds that do not readily seem like they should intersect. Perhaps the only tenet that ties us all together is a spark that rose up within us and caused each one of us to care for the world we live in, and with that to seek a different way. In our search, wherever we started from, we found permaculture. It could have been anything else, but this was it. With permaculture, we found a home and a community. Wherever you come from, whatever you've known, whatever you've done, you can practice permaculture. In that process and through the path that you are on, you've learned something that matters and can make a difference in someone else's life, directly through your individual work, but also with the community and the world at large, by sharing what you know. You can start by writing articles for Permaculture Design Magazine. Submit based on the upcoming topics, which you'll find printed in the beginning of each issue. And then, when you're ready, or now if you're already comfortable with the idea, you can guest edit an issue. All you need to do is take that first step and contact John Wages and let him know your interest. 
Along the way, if you have something you'd like to share with me or via the podcast, or you'd just like to sit down and talk permaculture and what's going on, get in touch. Email show at thepermaculturepodcast.com. Call 717-827-6266. If you leave a message when you call in with a question or comment, I can include it in an upcoming episode of the podcast. Or if you'd like, you can even send me a letter or postcard in the mail. The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. And two final notes as I draw this to a close. First, the show depends on listener support, particularly ongoing monthly contributions that allow the space and time to continue this production, but also to go and do live recordings, like the recent trip to talk with Eric and Victoria of Charm City Farms, or the roundtable discussion that included Charles Eisenstein, Dave Jackie, and Ben Weiss. Sign up at patreon.com slash permaculturepodcast for $5 a month, and enjoy unique benefits including patron-only episodes and discounts to permaculture-oriented businesses, including 25% off at Chelsea Green Publishing and 10% at Field and Forest Products, which is one of my favorite retailers for all things mushroom. Second, it's nearly August, And that means my journey to the Radical Gathering in Bowling Green, Kentucky is getting closer. I'll be there for all four days of the event, August 20th through the 23rd, with a discussion on Friday, workshop on Saturday, and I'll be delivering the Saturday night keynote address on building community. Eric Perrow and The Push will also be there as well, delivering workshops, and Eric is the Friday night keynote speaker. I look forward to seeing you there, and you can find out more at RadicalGathering.com. Until the next time, take care of Earth, yourself, and each other.